Podcasten mit Tom Reimann und David Bell. back they're they've, definitely they've back. returned they've returned oh man yeah uh, uh um hello everyone <laughs> hello uh what an episode of hypecast hypecast it's hypecast. the show where we get hyped about stuff and thing and the movies being back i'm your co-host tom ryman i'm your other co-host david bell i'm sorry this is like the 37th one of these i do do <laughs> you introduce me or do i introduce myself this no it, what we do is we wait awkwardly until the guest asks that question what we do is this <laughs> yeah. every time this every is the format time. yeah hello i am the professional <laughs> author and, and podcast guest jason pargin uh welcome hey I'm sorry if this is your very, very first uh, Hypecast you've ever listened to and that I've made just a mess of the introduction. I, I'm no, not normally one of the hosts of the show. I'm just a guy that shows up right. every once in a while. I, I can't stress enough. This is by design. Yeah, we do this on purpose. <laughs> this... <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know why we do it. We just do it. Um, and don't, don't worry about it. I, I also feel the need to apologize to anyone. <laughs> every episode we record, like, I'm sorry if this is your first episode of Hypecast. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a standing apology i have sure yeah 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 uh welcome jason how are you doing i'm doing all right uh people who know who i am i, I announced today that i signed a new book deal for I saw yeah congrats for very exciting three more books over the next five years or so two there's one in each of the two series as i write and then one that will be a brand new standalone an idea a novel that i pitched them that they liked a lot that that will remain a secret until it's time for Ooh. me to relentlessly oh. promote it but uh for those of you who don't know why this would be a big deal uh most like famous authors never announce this kind of thing because why would they it's just assumed they will always be writing books for the rest of their lives for the other 99 point some percent of authors um, it's actually very tentative whether or not you'll be able to write books as a full-time job. It is a a very much a book-to-book -book type situation. Uh, if you go into a bookstore, the vast majority of those titles have been written by people doing it part-time. They have day jobs as journalists or teachers or something, but they a lot of those books, you know, they they only printed a few hundred copies, and they the advance was a couple thousand dollars, and that's fine. They it's something they do on the side. I am one of the extremely rare exceptions that I'm able to write books full time because the very first book I ever wrote got turned into a movie. Um, so I I'm one of the lucky ones, but I'm not too big to fail. <laughs> I kind of, <laughs> all of us are like one one uh bomb of a book away from having to find a, a job which i assume i'll have to do someday but not right now so you're not right. you're not you're not uh, the enron of fiction <laughs> right and again some writers <laughs> some writers very much are they okay. they sold they sold 30 million copies of some of some book 10 years ago and they can just coast on coast on I, that and when you I, I feel like dick francis has a real enron vibe <laughs> Is that the, the horse racing guy? Yeah. 
The horse um, mysteries. Ooh, the, yeah, the horse I don't racing. know this guy. Oh, Dave, you'd love him. Uh, yeah, I love a good horse mystery. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, I, I those of you who know me from Cranked and have not known, heard of anything from me in the last five years, I left Cranked at 2020 to write novels full time because I'm in a position where I can. Um, but anyway, so yeah, it, it is, it's a big deal for me. It's not a sure thing. It's one of those things where a lot of support from because I promote my books by coming on shows like this. And yes, other authors out there. Yes, people do buy books when you come on a podcast. It absolutely happens. I can watch I can watch sales occur every time I'm not, I'm on somebody's show. So, if you've been hesitant to come on this show, if you're extremely famous, whoever you are, don't don't hesitate to show up. Yeah, and they love having just do huge it. celebrities on here. Just... They do it all the time. You mind if we just reuse that clip as like a commercial from now on? Yeah. <laughs> Put out feelers. So you're, uh, you're, what, yeah. what book are what book, by the way, is coming out soon of yours? This fall, uh, we have the next book in the John Dies at the End series called If This Book Exists, You're in the Wrong Universe. Just go anywhere yes. where they sell books and type in that that title and it'll it'll probably now, come up unless you mix around several of the words. Or if you're in the wrong universe. Right, yeah. <laughs> that, if you're not in the correct universe, yeah. yeah, then you won't have any luck finding it. Now, is this the book in which John will finally die? There's only one <laughs> way to find out. Now, the, the fact that I just announced that there's a fifth book in the series, you don't know. It could Maybe he's not in that one. That's true. Yeah, it could be a Weekend at Bernie's situation. It could be a prequel. Like, everybody could die at the end of this book. You should That's spend true. every page oh, man. thinking, like, you don't know if they're going to win, necessarily. This next book could could take place 30 years earlier. But now that Would that be before the inciting incident that allowed these adventures to happen at all? Sure, but maybe it's just about them, like, doing menial jobs or, or going to high school as just normal people. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. Just you don't know. Being kids, racing pod racers. Yeah, <laughs> it's the same thing when they when when like you're wondering if if uh, Peter Parker is going to come back to life in Infinity War and like meanwhile they show a trailer for the new Spider Man movie that's coming out. It's like well that <laughs> right that could be set at any time before he's Spider Man. You, you don't yeah you don't know yeah don't, don't don't claim to know just because they've announced deals in advance that a certain actor <laughs> is coming back even though it appeared he was killed off in the finale of the show you just watched and that he's been signed for three more seasons. That doesn't mean anything. No, don't yeah, try, it don't, could be a series of prequels. Yeah, don't try to know the unknowable. So you mentioned that you're going to... It could be a dream. It could be yeah, a dream exactly. sequence. <laughs> An entire trilogy that's a dream. <laughs> Dallas did it. Um, so you, you see you know, a, a new book that's not connected to either series. Is that allowed? If you have enough pull, <laughs> you can make that happen. Um, I don't know why I'm doing this <laughs> It's no it, for those don't don't understand this. Uh, publishers want series these days for obvious reasons because every time a new edition comes out, people go back and buy the old ones. That's why I was able to buy an entire house on on the John Dies at the End series because every time a new one comes out, people go back and read the first books one, two, and three. Um, so I, they want series, but I my these books are not part of one continuing story because I would not be able to keep track of what's happening well enough. So each of these are. Self-contained stories that happen to all star the same characters, but it's not a uh, Game of Thrones type thing where book two ends on a cliffhanger and then you're waiting for 
book three. Don't please don't be sitting there saying, "Well, I'll just wait till he completes the series, then I'll read them all." No, no, they're they're each and you can actually read them in any order. It's it's a Sherlock Holmes type thing where they it's a totally different situation. Now, granted, if you start with book three. And then you go back to book one and you notice a character that's prominently featured in book one doesn't happen to be in book three. Maybe don't get too attached to that character. <laughs> right. Because um, that would imply that something bad probably did happen to them. But otherwise, it's they can they're they are standalone books. And in fact, if you've never never read any book before in your life and you want to pre-order this new one as the first book, you will be no more confused than if you had read them all. They, they are all equally confusing whether you have context or not. Do you mean never let, read like a single book right. ever? Any book yeah, if it's your first book, this that is as good of a place as any to start. If you're yeah. a, a toddler. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> you're like, if you're like eight. Just really, really uh, heighten that terrifying confusion. <laughs> yeah. It's a good way to start out. Yeah. With your, your journey into the world of reading, I would say. Um, uh, speaking of starting out, we should probably get to the uh, producer's day. Damn it, Tom. I was going to say, speaking of reading, and then read the producer's. Mine was better. Yours was, yours was better, yes. Uh -huh. That's okay. That's fair. It's fine. It, um, it happens. One day, you'll say a better one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Listen, <laughs> folks. <laughs> big, big thank you to uh hombre 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 thank, thank you so much you. thank thank you to heathcliff's helping handfuls thank you thank you to thank you to the conveniently placed self-destruct button on the top of every baby's head always thank you to left thanks so much thank you to samuel beckett's donuts and mortgage emporium thank you thank you to ryan the silly money goose thank you Thank you to Snapper Car punches god in the dick i sure does thank you thank you to at nerd numbers thank you so much thank you to mike the lurker thanks Thank you to DJ Finney. On the ones and twos. Thank you to Dracula, the bus driving vampire. Thank you so much. Thank you to Brockway Loves the Meat Millie. Yeah, he does. Thank you to Nate, uh, David Knife, Knife Boot. Boot Henson. Thank you. All right, let me jump in here. Thank you to Grubblebee. Thank, Thank you. Thank you to Screaming Horse Pyramid. Thank you Thank you to Luke Bomb on a podcast. Thank you. Thank you to Seismic Charge Noise. Thank you to Deborah's Awesome Barbara's Great Cancer and Go to Hell. Thank you. Thank you to Numino Ultra Microscopic Silico Volcano Coniosis Anti Disestablishmentarianism Jones. Thank you. Thank you to the baby from Eraserhead. Yes. Thank you to Chiz Lily Tits. Yes. Thank you thank to these you. seven bees. Thank, thank you. Thank you to Prezi Ruizzi. Thanks. Thank you to Davy Francis Nine. Davy Goes to Hell. Thank you. And thank you to MVB. Mm. Thank you very much. I think oh, right. uh, it, it, if, you, if you're reading, if you've never read anything, if, if you're going to introduce somebody to, to reading for the first time, I think you could grab Jason's first book and a list of our producers. I think it would oh, be an, sure. an equally terrifying experience. <laughs> yeah, this is we teach. We're teaching like vocabulary to people, you know, with these this list. Uh, it works. They're just two protracted uh, lessons in chaos. Uh, All right. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, everybody, right. everybody, before we continue, those those guys are out of, those are patrons, those people on <laughs> right. Patreon, that, that that is entirely, this show you'll notice has no ads, I don't think, there's no ads, right? Correct. No ads. We're not going to stop and do like a mattress, uh, a mail order mattress thing. No, um, I will if they is, give me money, but. <laughs> the only yeah. reason these two guys can do this is because there are people who pay for uh, all the many, the many bonus features that come with being, being a patron. 
Yes. Uh, so if that wasn't obvious why, why they were screaming those nonsense <laughs> series of words, they are patrons. That's, so they, uh, they will say it at the end of the show, but some of you will will bail out at some point or you'll that... you'll die in your car and there'll be a car accident. You won't have time to find out. Yeah, that's, that's what those a, were. Right. That's a good note. <laughs> um, all right. All right. Let's talk about this Pinocchio trailer. Let's talk about this some is, tr- new trailers for the week. Yeah. Yeah. This is the quote live action Pinocchio. I put it in quotes because it looks l- a lot like cartoon characters, like CGI cartoon characters uh, in it. It's got uh, Th- Thomas, Thomas Hanks, mm-hmm. Tom Hanks, Geppetto. fully realized in his uh, new career as uh, old guy, old guy in movies. He's he yes. is, he is uh, he's made it to that stage of his career as an actor. People don't yes. recognize him. That's Chet Hanks's dad. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. He glomming onto his his rapper son's uh, right. fame to get some get some acting roles in. Yeah. Listen, there's yeah, yeah, his, yeah. his his Chet Hayes's coattails are wide enough. Uh, the more the merrier. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah. Why not? Like, do we know the budget on this? Because it looks cheap. Yeah, it's it seems like it's going straight to Disney Plus. Uh Tom Hanks, like that can't be cheap, right? You'd think um, I don't I mean, I don't know. You would think Tom Hanks would cost them some money. Um but like I, I we're going to talk about this a little bit uh in the news section, but um I feel like this so, is like a lot of the oh, like a big part of the strategy now is is focusing on their their streaming services. So I, I get the feeling that we're going to see a lot of movies that we may be expected to be theatrical releases, like traditional theatrical releases, just kind of get dumped on uh, uh, unceremoniously on Disney Plus, like a like a like it's the Disney Channel because uh, right. that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, and for the record, this isn't the other. I tried to Google this. Because I was like the it says uh, from Robert Zemeckis, and I was I was kind of surprised that Zemeckis was doing it, and I googled it, and then I was like, oh no, Guillermo del Toro's doing it, and then I realized those are two completely different Pinocchios. Two different Pinocchios, Dave. Two different Pinocchios. It's both live action. Is any is Pinocchio just a property anybody can? Not the Disney, not the Disney characters, but like the story itself. Yeah. Okay. But like that drawing of Pinocchio is probably they'll probably still sue you into oblivion if you try to put it anywhere. Can I confess something? Yeah. When I saw the Robert Zemeckis name, I thought this was one of those mocap CGI going to be one of those mocap CGI movies. I don't know if people remember that he did like the Polar Express where it had that people criticized it because it had a real uncanny valley effect. So it yeah. came up with that's like oh they've they're still like this is the next evolution of that because if you say it's it's Pinocchio Disney director Robert Zemeckis I thought oh that's what they've done they've done a new same as they did with because uh, they did several movies in that in that mode yeah, right? they did a Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey yeah yeah, yeah. Z- and by they Zemeckis, Zemeckis did specifically the yeah. Polar Express with Tom with Hanks Tom then Hanks, Beowulf yeah. then a Christmas Carol. And then uh, we never spoke of it again. Yeah. So when I saw, like, on the description on YouTube, it's like Tom Hanks, and I saw it come up, Robert Zemeckis, and then it fades in on Tom Hanks, the actor. I said, oh, that looks pretty good. Right. 
because I was like, oh, the CGI. Real. Yeah, it looks like the expression on his face, like that's almost lifelike. Like it, his hair, the, like the, the beard and stuff looks kind of weird, but it's that's not bad. That's that's really, they really fixed a lot of that. And then it turns out, no, that's, that was just actual film of Tom Hanks. <laughs> that's just the human man, Tom Hanks. And, and what looked to me like not great wig and... And makeup, but uh, and then like when they have the what's the little what's the little insect that Jiminy Cricket, yeah. Jiminy Cricket, looked Jiminy, like James Tarantula, <laughs> looked, looked like cell shaded animation. It looked like Roger Rabbit. It did not. Right. They did not make an effort to make it look like it's not a Lion King remake thing where they made it look like. Which I realize that would be terrifying. If it's just an actual cricket. But right. my point is, is that. They're blending, it looks from just from this trailer, they're blending a lot of different styles where it's like, okay, is this animation blended with live action like Roger Rabbit? Or is this intended to be like, what what style are they going for here? I, and I couldn't yeah. detect, other than to my eyes, it looked cheap. It looked like, I, you know, like a direct-to-video type thing that they just happened yeah. to fork over the money for Tom Hanks. Even the cat looks bad. The CGI cat yes. looks like a CGI cat. And that is the thing is like, I, yes, I also don't want it to be Lion King because that was hilarious. Uh, I, I, I sort of do. I sort of do want a two foot tall photorealistic cricket in a top hat to be yeah, following Tom that is kind of funny. That is kind of funny. It's just that question of like, what's the point of this? Like, are they just going to do the movie? That yeah. It'll probably be stretched out because the original Pinocchio was like an like an hour long it's, or whatever it is, it is barely 70 minutes yeah yeah uh wow. and so it's just that question of like like with all of these i just i fundamentally don't understand the artistic reason to do it oh there, I understand is, there is none the, there is none yeah That's, yeah let's be clear this is just uh lion king beauty and the beast made all the money in the in the goddamn universe uh, uh then right. lion king did as well so they i mean after beauty and the beast came out they just literally just went through a list of their old uh, hit animated movies and just checked them off one by one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm this, also a little, Oh, go on. Well, there's two things. One, this one feels rapidly thrown together. Although again, it may come out that it was filmed during the heart of COVID and it was, it's restrictions on how they filmed it. That may be why it looks bad. But the other thing is, am I crazy? Are they not show Pinocchio himself, the puppet, the titular they puppet not. in this trailer. They, you so see they're like hiding the side Pinocchio. of his head at the very end. Yeah, they're hiding Pinocchio the way some monster movie trailers hide the monster. <laughs> it's like hiding the shark Absolutely. in Jaws. <laughs> Absolutely. Why it's, would, it's why so would they make that choice? Does anybody know? As, I, I can't be the first person to notice Here's this. what I suspect. Uh, you can tell from the poster and from the quick shot that you see of, of the side of the inanimate puppet's head at the very end of this trailer that it's the exact same design. Uh, yes, it looks, and, in the poster, they're they're also hiding it. They're doing like silhouette. Right, if you look at the silhouette, you can absolutely make out that it is just the cartoon Pinocchio. Uh, made 3d so here's what i suspect is that they haven't quite nailed it down yet uh and they don't want to have uh, oh. a sonic the hedgehog oh. moment where they reveal the character in the trailer and people do not like it well um, okay there's that i also so i i have another theory which is that the question of what does pinocchio look like is the subject of a lot of morbid curiosity right and famously when you're making a live-action Pinocchio, there hasn't been a single one where the Pinocchio character wasn't horrifying. Right, it's always horrible. Yeah. And so I think 
they're just that's why they're probably very smartly just sticking to the cartoon version because they don't want to take a child actor and like morph his face like an apex twin music video you know Mm -hmm. like they don't they don't want to they don't want to do something terrible but they also want people to think pinocchio is going to look amazing or different and so i feel like it's a little of them you know having their cake and eating it too where they're they're teasing pinocchio and they're only going to reveal that he just looks like pinocchio yeah the cartoon here's that my other theory which is probably closer to correct is this is just how trailers are now like you have a thing you have a thing that you hide in the teaser whether or not it makes sense uh because it helps uh you know generate buzz and get people excited and keep it sort of in the zeitgeist on social media until the full trailer comes out uh even if it is something as silly as we're hiding what pinocchio looks like when we've all known since 1940 what this pinocchio looks like yeah i also just want to say and i i haven't seen everything he's done recently but like it has been a solid 20 years since i've seen a zemeckis film that i really loved and that kind of makes me sad because like we recently rewatched death becomes her that's an amazing film yeah uh yeah what lies beneath i really like and that's probably the last one that i was like really strong about which isn't to say he hasn't made good things since uh this is more of a personal observation you know he's made castaway he made flight but like the last 20 plus years, it's been a lot of this. It's been a lot of him doing stuff that feels like it wasn't for him. Uh, he remade The Witches. Remember that? Yeah, his, I was about to say his last his most recent two films are the, the Witches remake and Welcome to Marwin. Yeah. Oof. It's been it's been a little like, again, like it, it's for me personally, it's just I, I really miss that old Zeme- the pre 2000 Zemeckis basically how old is uh, he now I, oh, oh he's got to be set he's got to be in his 70s he's yeah uh, of, of, he's around you know he came up with like Lucas and Spielberg and stuff so I assume he's probably around the same age he was born in 51 uh I'm not that's gonna do the math 71, 71. No, that's that's yeah. a lot to ask to still be because his whole deal was you know you look at his projects it's a lot of taking on new technology new techniques like it's clearly that's part of what fascinates him he yeah. likes the effects like even the welcome to marwin thing like that was whatever yeah. the stop motion animation stuff with the puppetry like I think he's like James Cameron in that way and the James Cameron is clearly such a a tech geek that that clearly excites him more than like he made Titanic because he wanted an excuse to get down in a diving sub and see Titanic. Like that was yeah, for sure an excuse to have someone else pay him to, yeah. <laughs> to, to go see on a this deep cool, sea adventure. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, it comes through like, you know, he loves hardware and gadgetry and, and a lot of that stuff and loves finding new ways to, and obviously avatar was all about showing off the new 3d um and and maybe there'll be something equally cool about uh avatar 2 whenever it it arrives but i think with robert zemeckis it's kind of the same thing i i think he's just looking for stuff that interests him so i wouldn't be surprised when looking at the behind the scenes stuff on pinocchio to find out there's some like really innovative technology they used to achieve this extremely mediocre result (laughs) <laughs> because yeah, i think to him the idea true. of like well we did this revolutionary motion tracking where it could blend in the cgi character so that tom hanks when he was on set he actually saw jiminy cricket and it's like well yeah but it doesn't it didn't make for a good movie but i, I don't know I, I think his curiosity about like new techniques 
he assumes we will be as excited about that stuff as as he is. It's like the Polar Express. Like we we made this by strapping tennis balls to real actors. And it's like yeah, well it's yeah, real... but the end result isn't anything. It's like, yeah, the end result is yep. ghoulish. This has never been he done also... before. It's like well yeah, there's yeah. a reason. <laughs> he also doesn't owe us anything, or no, me personally. You know, I think I mean, sure. he's done great things. I also want to note he's doing a movie called The King, uh, starring The Rock. And I, I don't know much about it, but I do know it's from the writer of Braveheart, The Man in the Iron a- Mask, uh, Pearl Harbor, We Were Soldiers. Randall uh, Wallace? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. Someone who does a lot of epics, uh, huh. a lot of big movies. So I'm very curious about what that's going to be. All right. Uh, yeah. Well, let's, let's, let's move on. We've, we've, we've given Pinocchio yeah. enough of our time. Well, let's talk about The Man from Toronto. Uh, this is what is this a Netflix? This is a Netflix. Uh, this is about uh, uh, a guy who is mistaken for a torturer uh, and has to. <laughs> it has to. It's like a but. It's like a buddy cop with one of them being like uh, a maniac, like be a very bad person. Uh, it's um, Kevin Hart and Woody Harrelson, which is a great, I think, team up. I'm pretty right? excited for that yeah this is a type of movie that would have been the number one box office hit of like 1987 yeah yeah like if people remember that era like it was all about who are the two stars comedian and action star we can match up for this summer's action buddy comedy and that's what this is it's the two of them two unlikely people one of them's a foil for the other two totally different personalities two different races preferably is the formula uh, and yep. they they referenced that I'm sure several times in the movie, and then hilarity ensues. And uh, this used to be the most marketable idea and concept of in all of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. In 2022, it goes straight to Netflix, a subject we will discuss later in the show. But yeah. this is it looks like a ton of fun. It reminds me of like I, I don't doubt that back in Eddie Murphy's heyday, at any given time he had oh three or four thousand scripts identical to this on yeah, his desk sure. in his agent's desk. And he, he was like picking which one it's like, okay, we've got this one with Nick Nolte. It's like, it's like, uh, well, I don't know. And then you know, you're just matter of trying to figure out who, who the, the matchup is. And I, w- but- I want to say that point out that Eddie Murphy after essentially, well, he didn't really invent it, but he, he made it like a blockbuster genre with 48 hours and, and Beverly Hills cop in the early eighties, the pick, the, the script he handpicked in the wake of that success was The Golden Child. All right. Uh, yeah. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Good for him. Good yeah, for him. No, classic film. But, I'm just, uh, yeah. Obviously, Men in Black yeah, you yeah. Know, uh, was, <laughs> right. was the same same deal. And it's all about coming up with a – and it looks this looks very clever. Like it's yeah. – it looks like a smart uh, – I don't know who the script writer was, but I will – it's just interesting that, again, once upon a time, this would have been a – the three hundred million dollar box office thing, and yeah. now it's yeah. like somebody at Netflix will be looking at their metrics and say, "Hey, we've got two million hours of streaming on this the first week." <laughs> it's uh, it's from the writer of In the Army Now, and so I married an axe murderer. Great, One of the writers, great films, great films. Yeah, yeah. The director, uh, Pat- Patrick Hughes. Uh, did the Hitman's Bodyguards? Yeah, that uh, Expendables Three. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like the Hitman's Bodyguard, right? Like that's that's uh, who are the two 
Ryan Reynolds and Sam Jackson. Yeah. 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 So it's, and again, it may turn out that, that the script was a, an unused draft of that movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> it is very it similar. supposed to be the next uh, edition. Yeah. But that's fine. No, it's a formula. Um, and um, th- these movies are usually uh, delightful, even though the one that was on, how have I already forgotten the name of it? Was it Red Notice? The one that was The Rock yes. and um, Ryan and Reynolds. Reynolds. Hated, yeah. hated that one. But, um, you know, it's good to see the genre still exists. For sure. I do want to note that this director, after this, his next project that he's writing and directing is the remake of The Raid, which seems inappropriate, but I kind of want him to lean into it. And I want Kevin Hart in that movie as well. And I want him to turn it into a buddy cop comedy because why the hell not? Sure. We already have a perfectly good The Raid. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Any listeners out there who have not seen The Raid Redemption is the full name of the movie. It is on all the stream services. It is one of the best action movies ever made. No question. It is not in English because it was made in Indonesia. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, by one of the greatest action directors and, and the stunt choreography and everything is spectacular. Uh, it's simply one of the best action movies. The sequel is arguably just as good. Um, go go watch For that sure. instead. And but but because it has subtitles, somebody in Hollywood was like, well, let's make a version that Americans will watch. Only <laughs> yeah. I have a feeling it's not going to look the same. Uh, but I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird trend. I thought we were over it after Spike Lee did Old Boy, and it was like, why are we doing this? <laughs> but they won't stop, and uh, I don't know, man. It's I, it's fine because it probably lets people go back and watch the originals more, you know? It probably makes people go like, oh, I guess this was based off a better version. I'm going to go watch that. That's my hope. Uh, do we want to talk about uh, Gotham Knights? I can't wait. <laughs> I, ha- okay. I want everyone I to please go watch the trailer for Gotham Knights. Yeah. Please this is pause the, s- the podcast. Go watch the, not the video game. There is a video. Oh, wait, it's called Arkham Knights. Never mind. Or is uh, no, it? It, it would be very difficult because there's the combination of something and Knights has been used all across the Batman properties. Yeah. This one is about the sexy young teenagers who are the children of the famous characters, you know, and love, for example, the Joker has a sassy daughter in this, and uh, and everyone in everyone in the show looks like a supermodel, and they're all very sexy teenagers having uh, sexy teenager romance problems. But one kid, his dad was Batman, and one girl, her dad was a Joker. So it's 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 Batman babies. Yeah, uh, yeah. On the CW, it, it looks. It looks like a parody. Like, yeah, I double-checked this trailer when I first saw yes, it. Yes, the trailer plays like an SNL skit parody. Like, it has all of the, the stupid beats you would have if you were trying to make fun of this genre of show. Where, like, the cop is interrogating the, the, the sexy young teenage girl or whatever. It's like, so, you say your dad's the Joker, huh? And it's like, yeah. oh my god, okay. And, uh... It's- I can... I kind of want to watch it. Oh yeah, I'm, well, I can't... of course we're gonna watch <laughs> yeah, it. Of course, yeah. I can't wait to watch it. I am. I, I will real because I, I know some one of our listeners at least is screaming this at the radio. In 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 the in, in the comics, there the jo- there is a character who is the Joker's daughter. I, I don't know that this this character in the, that they we see in this trailer is not recognizably that character. But anyway, just put that out there. Sure, but um. 
I continue to be fascinated by this, uh, the, uh, the number of shows we're making about Batman that don't have Batman in them. Yeah. Well, here's, here's what I'll say is actually, I think the premise of this is a good idea and you could actually make a movie without naming the superhero, like a generic superhero, like the idea of what does a city do when they're like, Mm -hmm. hero is just dead. Yeah. It's mystery men. Yeah, exactly. Except I wouldn't have other people step up. I think it would be more interesting to have a city realize that, and maybe this is the boring version, that by like investing in their infrastructure and like, and like better mental health services and stuff, they can slowly just repair the city without somebody dressed as a bat running around. I think that's like the uh, post. I think that's Gotham, right? Isn't that Gotham? I don't know. I haven't watched Gotham. I mean, it- <laughs> I just I do like the idea of a post death of a superhero plot. Uh, this isn't really that. I think this we is may have the young to mention people this have to step trailer up. starts with Batman getting shot to death. We, oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Batman has died. And now the, to, the, to the bat clear, kids have to step up. This is not this. This is a less weird Riverdale, presumably like this is this is about these very sexy teenagers having relationship problems and that kind yeah. of thing. This yeah. Is not yeah. Oh, about, yeah. Yeah. Uh, these people all have very perfect hair that survives even the action sequences. They all have like perfectly hair. hair. And, yeah. and it's, they look like they're, which I find fascinating because the first thing I always want to know these days, whenever I see like a show that's about people who are 19 years old, I immediately want to go look at the writing staff and see if they're all like in their fifties Oh yeah. <laughs> and here I went and looked at the writers and like one of them like they may be very good but like one of them she was born in 1985 so she's 37. So she still remembers what it's like to be young. Yeah. The other two right credited writers it doesn't I don't see their ages or their birth dates but they've got credits to go back to 2001. So they've been working in Hollywood as writers producers for 21 years so I assume they're not kids themselves. So it is when you have people who are middle aged or approaching it writing nineteen uh, year olds dialogue with each other, it can really be something special. It can. Oh yeah, uh, that's arguably the more entertaining thing to observe than the actual show, right? Like I would love to just have a show of the writers' room. Yeah. of Gothers Gotham Knights. I just I, I'm gonna in the most enjoyment I'm gonna get out of this is watching an episode and every now and then taking a break to just picture the people writing it. Because yeah. there's no question that, for example, TikTok exists in the universe of the show. Of course, like like that's going to get referenced that 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 the Joker's daughter's crimes have gone viral on TikTok or whatever. Like it's these oh, writers having better, to like yeah. like trying to figure out what's no no we've got to the the the, the killer's taunting note has to go out on WhatsApp. It, it can't it's like we have to make it. We have to update it. They they, they take be, an, uh, an Uber to get there, not not a taxi. Put it on nice. a skateboard somehow. <laughs> <laughs> oh i want him to use the batmobile as an uber like on the side yeah yeah oh man i can't wait for this piece the of shit Batmobile is a tesla yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah it looks real bad uh a, a lot of like gotham was pretty bad uh i just i don't just make it a batman show i don't know like yeah I will say Gotham, I had that excitement of this and then I watched one episode. Oh, sorry. I watched 15 minutes of one episode and I, I was done. So like, 
in theory, this seems like a lot of fun, but I have a feeling it's also kind of exhausting. Well, if they've, you... they've also kind of been doing it on a lot of other uh, of the Arrowverse shows. Like, I mean, t- um, like Titans is was kind of similar to this, even though right. Batman's not dead in, in the premise of that show. But it's like a story that is very much centered around the absence of Batman. Right. Um, also, what if superheroes, but they're like cool teens, I feel like is, uh, you know pretty used up as a premise i don't know i just it's it's i'm not saying whether it's good or bad it's just funny to me that they keep like this is the idea like what if it was a batman show without batman it's like yeah okay yeah uh i don't know it's it's weird it's a weird weird instinct to keep having to me i don't know (laughs) and also it's DC really doesn't seem to keep a tight lid on who they'll hand out the the rights to. It seems like it's real easy to make a show based on these properties. It's, yeah, right, we can probably do it. Like, uh, like, like we're done recording. Like I get that this is like a division of the company that that owns it or whatever, but it's still I don't know. Like some some properties used to be you know notoriously tight about not allowing you to make just any kind of old spin off spin off thing or game or whatever but uh, batman uh, batman's pretty much or that universe or anything you can pretty much do do whatever you want it's uh it seems to be a, a quantity over quality type thing but anyway yeah I think CW has like a specific deal as well. Mm-hmm. Like they're clearly making money for them by doing these like offshoots. DC is definitely less precious than Marvel. And you could argue that gives us things like, you know, yeah, Peacemaker and Harley Quinn, like good things. But it also, you know, <laughs> gives us this stuff. I guess my uh, confusion is that I always thought the CW shows were aimed specifically at like 14 year old girls. And I guess I don't think of that demographic as being into the batman mythology but i could right. be wrong i like i i guess i always thought of batman as being aimed at at boys but i don't know I, maybe that's maybe this is a lot of the, the a lot of those outreach. arrowverse shows uh shows have really connected with people so okay yeah it's yeah, like, like, it's working. It's, yeah, it's it's it, in the time you're not paying attention like uh legends of tomorrow got like 5 seasons like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't this, even know what that is. Yeah, yeah like I didn't, I didn't even hear about. Like, yeah, it just, it's that's like a, a realization I constantly have. This is only like tangentially related, but like I didn't hear about Yellowstone until it had already been on for like three seasons. Oh, right, we, we uh, guys, <laughs> listeners, we know we're in something of a bubble. If there, if there are fourteen year old girls listening to this, and you're really looking forward to Gotham Knights, we we do hope you enjoy it. it to oh, our yeah. to our old grizzled eyes, it looks like a waste of time, but. <laughs> it looks like a pandering waste of time but but when i was a kid i love stuff that pandered to me i didn't know what that was i just was like oh yeah this is for me yeah um well we 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 should get on to this next one uh this is a tv miniseries apparently uh called queen oh yeah i'm not sure what country it's out of i'm hearing it's on the netflix i'm hearing i think russian and french in it okay okay it's about uh, a, a drag queen um, who is uh, fairly old reuniting with their uh, his family, I believe, is the idea, yeah, right? Yeah, he's coming in to donate a kidney to his estranged adult daughter, and it starts to mend their relationship, and he reveals this 
part of his life that she was never aware of. And it, you know, it seems to be about that sort of healing process, uh, at least based on yeah. the trailer we watched. This is the case of like, I don't have much to say about this because it just, it looks, it looks decent, you know, like it, it just looks like a, if people have time to watch, you know, so a TV miniseries uh, drama, yeah. it looks good. Just an interpersonal oh, drama. Looks like, yeah, this looks like it will win all of the awards. It, yeah. it looks yeah. well made. It looks like something that not many people will watch, but that it will be talked about as one of the 10 best shows nobody is watching or whatever. Right, exactly. Uh, uh, this, is the, this is the type of thing that I think is the strength of Netflix, which is they often, you know, they pick up foreign shows a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, and so like that, that is a very good idea. And without that, we would have never known this show even exists, you know, like it's, it's wild to think that like before streaming, this show just would have went on a channel, uh, that I would have never even known existed. Right. You would have maybe read about it in a, in a, a sort of an, a, a, a magazine article about like great obscure TV shows, like three years after the fact. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Squid Game would have been the same thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it it, it is like the, of the the one strength next Netflix has that I really don't think any other streaming service is doing is introducing like uh, foreign content mm-hmm. Cer- uh, yeah. that is really good. Certainly not to the extent that Netflix that Netflix does. Yeah, uh, but that's really it. That's all I have to say about this one. Yeah. We can, all right. we can move on. <laughs> all well, right. I, and all all these that we're talking about, these are all just weeks away. I think I don't know if this is like later in June, but none of these are like winter shows, right? Like most of these are, as far as I know, pretty, yeah. These are soon. all so these are all coming out. You'll, this you'll month. see Queen on your Netflix homepage, probably. <laughs> Maybe it, it, I don't maybe. know. <laughs> yeah, they never... they they didn't show me Stranger Things. Yeah, they I had barely, to seek that out. They didn't show me fucking Mank. They're like. Their David yeah. Fincher movie that they made so much of a fuss about, like they, right. they really, they're the way they uh, uh, feature things is a complete mystery to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and we'll we'll talk about that a little later. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> this next one is My Dead Dad. This is HBO. It's uh, a is this a yeah? It appears to be a movie. Um, it's about. A young kid from Reno, they really want us to know that, uh, whose dad has passed and has left him managing an apartment complex. And that's kind of it. It's about someone who doesn't know how to manage an apartment complex, uh, figuring that out. All of the colorful people from different backgrounds who live there, it looks extremely heartwarming, but it looks like a series. The premise looks like a series. I feel like a lot of trailers these days don't make it clear they do what? disguise it yeah it's a it, like every i feel like we ask half about half the trailers every week we do this uh this podcast <laughs> like was that a show or a movie because right. there are so many shows ongoing shows like the flight attendant on hbo where you watch like that was a movie that was a movie premise that had w- exactly one twist it could have been done in you know two hours and you stretched it to a season this is you see a lot of series premises like this where it's clear i can see the three acts you should have had that you stretched out in, into eight hours i can yeah i can detect where you added stuff to make it to get your hours watched in 
Whereas here, it comes off like a series premise where you've got all of these people living in this building. This guy is in charge of kind of keep helping them out. He doesn't know what he's doing. And so you see all these people, each each and every one is from a different cultural background and they're colorful in their own way. So you can <laughs> one see of that, them is that, Chris Pontius. I don't know if you guys noticed that. I did no. not notice that. But yep. that. Oh, no, I did notice that. Yep. And I my brain told me it wasn't him because that would be silly. Oh, it sure is. Uh, <laughs> it is. Um, it 100% is him. That's I so fucking weird. I actually did not know he was still alive. And, and we do not need to sit here and try to figure out which which one of them died. <laughs> Um, well, right almost died, which I think is several of them. Uh, but it looks like something would have been a charming series on Hulu where it's all these quirky people, with their quirky problems, but it's like, no, it's a 90 minute movie or whatever. And okay, that's fine. I, yeah. I just, it, cause I'm sure later on, we're going to see something that looks like a movie premise that it's like, oh no, it's, they intend to run this forever. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, speaking of which I do want to loop in, um, the bear, which is in the next row we have on here. Yeah. Um, I, I, so I this... clicked on the IMDb for my dead dad, right? Okay. And then I, they have like a picture of the main character and then I opened an IMDb for the bear and my mind said, oh, this is still my dead dad. Oh you, you yeah. Opened, you didn't, you forgot to open the bear. And then I realized, no, it's just both white guys with, with hair, with messy, irresponsible hair. The bear guy, he's on, uh, he was on, um, uh, Shameless, I believe. Okay. And the reason I bring it up, as Jason, you've pointed out in the doc, is that this is an identical show. It's about a young chef who has to take over his family's shop because I think his brother dies. And then he has to deal with a bunch of colorful characters who work there. Yeah. And, yeah, and try, he, try he, to get this this deli back on track. Yeah, and there's a yeah. culture clash because he doesn't know how they do things. And, and it's the exact same beats in the trailer. Like, you could probably play them simultaneously and see where the, the little humorous beats come in and the colorful characters yeah. are all introduced and they're all from different cultural backgrounds. And uh, But he's a white dude and he's kind of clueless and so he's having to learn their ways and they're they're having to learn his his ways and uh and it's all very charming but this is a show yes this is a, show. This is a show. series on fx i'm actually more this i'm more interested in this one this one and this yeah. one appeals to be more than the my dead dad pre- this think, version of it yeah i think first of all i i don't think america is on the side of landlords in general yeah. right now <laughs> um I also think working in a kitchen tends to be more chaotic and fun. Uh, and I'm actually surprised more stories aren't told like about kitchens. Like you could, you could do like, you know, you could, I guess it's just, we don't make these types of movies anymore, but you could make a hangout comedy, a clerks that would be in a kitchen. Yeah. Like that Stanley Tucci movie, big night where it's just about one night at, at a restaurant. Or, um, yeah, exactly. Uh, or the, I guess the Slam and Salmon yeah, is the exactly. quote we got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a delightful great film. film. Uh, uh, so yeah, I agree. This this does appeal to me more, but the main characters look identical uh, and seem to have the exact same personality. Uh, it's not a hit against either of them, but right, it's very I, funny yeah. that these two both exist at the same time. I will say, my dead dad looks a little bit more like a 
more more of an inter, uh, an internal journey for the main character where it seems like it's it's both about him trying to figure out how to be a responsible person and get to know all these colorful characters and it's also he's learning who his dad was through these people and through all the stuff he left behind in his building uh the bear seems like it's more about keeping the business afloat yeah how great would it be if one of the kitchen staff is a bear? Is a character? Oh. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you were going to say is a character in My Dead Dad. What no, if no. his dad is dead because he was eaten by the bear? Yeah, that that's like a dishwasher in the bear. Yeah, of course you wouldn't trust the bear on the line. No, he'd eat no, all the no, he'd eat no, all the no. deli meat. He'd eat all the all the salami, Dave. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he'd be able to like cook anything, but he could wash a dish if you like tie sponges to him. Sure, you know. And this is another one of those examples where at the beginning of the trailer, it's like from FX, FX Networks. And at the end of the trailer, it's only on Hulu. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, well, now, hold on. I don't I don't have Hulu, but I have FX on cable. Can I watch it there? It's like, hey, that's that's your problem. <laughs> can, can I watch yeah. it? Can I watch it there or will I be executed? <laughs> do I have to buy the FX? Is there an FX app? FX Plus is it only there. Do I is it on is it only literally only on Hulu or what? It's like, hey, no, that's you. You, you figure that out. Right. That's, it's yeah. I, that's not our job to tell you where to watch yeah, this. We, nope. we needed a team of lawyers to negotiate how these rights deals work. We're not just yeah. going to give it away. <laughs> It does feel like the the game is to confuse people into getting six subscriptions mm-hmm. uh, and then trying to figure it out. Yeah, uh, we're we're going to talk about this, and it, this is the thing we keep teasing because there is it, content producers. Just to give you a preview, they depend on making money from inefficiency. That they depend on you back in the day on buying a cable package that had a lot of channels you wouldn't watch. They depend on you owning the same show through three different streaming services that overlap because you only got this other streaming service because it had blank, but that meant you're paying for this other thing thing twice. They depend on that as part of their model where if you could literally just buy the stuff you want, it would, they would crash and burn. It would never work, but we'll, we'll get to that. But all of this nonsense about, well, they've this, you know, ABC pulled all their shows off Hulu because they're all on Disney Plus now and how you now literally can't find you could put a gun to my head and say, well, where where can you watch Friends now? I'd be like, Paramount <laughs> Plus? <laughs> uh, Peacock? I don't know. I, I don't know. But um, yeah, there's we're going to no talk about that. the state of streaming in a, in a moment because there, yeah, there's news. Yeah, not, not good news at all. It's not. It's. It's not positive news. <laughs> All right, um, let's get through the rest of the trailers. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about this next one for a few reasons. This is the menu. Mm-hmm. So I saw the trailer for this weeks ago. Oh, yeah? And uh, Yeah, and I tried to find it online, and I was like, did I fucking dream it? Um, it was like put out in theaters before. I want to point out, before we get into what it's about, because I think this is interesting. So the director has done a lot of TV, has done a lot of, um, did Succession, Shameless, uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, the writers have both uh, worked for. They did the Onion News Network sketches. Uh, Ooh, they okay. also wrote. They also wrote for Last Week Tonight, Comedy Bang Bang, uh, a lot of the the Onion Sports Dome. They they clearly they did college humor stuff. So these are internet comedy writers who, as far as I can show, see, haven't actually written a movie before 
So I'm rooting for this film, is what I'm saying. Yeah, but uh, what's, the reason that's relevant is if you watch the trailer, and again, the film was called The Menu. For yeah. the first 90% of the trailer, it looks like a very straightforward horror thriller about in a, an extremely upscale, super, super fancy restaurant on like an island. It's like the super rich and where the food has like foam on it, that kind of thing. Yeah. Right. And then it turns out it's there's some horrible secret. They are serving humans or they're hunting humans or something. It seems but, like they're hunting humans, right? Yeah. It seems I mean, like it's, it. yeah. it's suggesting that. I mean, there's not that many twists that <laughs> to do be. with this premise. Yeah. At some point, they wind up like inviting a, a woman who's unfamiliar with it, and then you see them chasing her through the woods. So it's. Yeah. But it, you know. Um, but at the end of the trailer, suddenly there's this wanky comedy beat. And I thought, oh, this is a comedy. But horror comedy, I'm sad to say, not very marketable in Hollywood. So they have hidden the fact that this is a goofy comedy satire of like this lifestyle of these people that is probably goofy as hell. But they, somebody, when it came to time to cut the trailer, have intentionally hidden that element in the same way that I think it should be illegal to make a trailer for a musical that hides the fact that it's a musical, which is a, a common <laughs> tactic that you should be able to go to. You should have to go to jail for doing that. Yeah. You should be handcuffed on the spot. But the and fact to that jail. the writers are all like very modern, young comedy writing people. That's very interesting because I, again, I would, that makes it definitely top movie I would watch. It's just yeah. interesting to me if that's true, if it's not true that they wrote like a hardcore thriller, that's even weirder. But if this is a like a real true satire type movie and that they intentionally tried to not market it that way, because, man, there's something where straight like straight comedy doesn't do well for whatever reason. I, I, I don't we're know. In a, yeah, we're in a weird place with comedy. I feel like there were these booms like the Judd Apatow era and stuff like that, uh, you know, bridesmaids and so on. And, like, right now it feels like we don't really know what to do with comedy, uh, except for horror comedy. But, like, I ha I can't think of a comedy that I've watched in a while that everybody was talking about, you know? That Once Upon a Time, again, you could have a comedy be the number one box office movie, like, in America. It could. We used to have blockbuster comedies, you know? Um, right. And that, boy... I don't know what the highest grossing comedy of the last normal box office year was, 2019 or whatever. But I, I think bet part it of it... Oh, sorry. I, I just think part of it is that we inject comedy in everything now, like all the Marvel movies, adventure movies, stuff like The Lost City, Chip and Dale. So, like, it's it's nothing's just a comedy. Everything's like a comedy adventure. Right. It has to be like a genre blend. Yeah. And I'm not sure why that is. Yeah, because, like, if Thor, if Thor Ragnarok had been it's just a superhero movie that happens to have that exact wacky tone it would have been dead in the water only because it was yeah. a marvel thor movie did people give it a chance um yeah for sure hmm. it's weird yeah it's also this movie the menu we should note has fucking ray fines uh right. anya taylor joy nicholas holt in there john leguizamo's there yeah uh Johnny so Legs. like yeah this is 
This has got a lot behind it, too. I feel like Uh, we had mentioned earlier that there's only like a couple of twists you can do with this premise. I feel like one of the twists should have been Ray Fiennes as a chef. Just don't show us him until we see it in the movie. Yeah. As soon as he walks out, you'd be like, oh, shit, we need to leave. Yeah, we're fucked. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. we got to leave this restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also suspect that I know exactly how this movie ends, but I I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoil it for anybody. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, in terms of a premise, I think it's fine. I think it's going to come down to execution. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm again rooting for it just because it's nice to see people who, for the record, I do I do not know these people. I just know a lot of the stuff. I know people who probably know them. You know, uh, they are definitely internet comedy writers, and so that's neat. You know, uh, so I don't know. Maybe this will be a uh, you know a huge success and then hollywood would be like you know what we need more internet comedy writers making movies oh yeah then it's our time dave then it's our time to shine it's all of our times Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it does i don't know it looks well done too like the the trailer doesn't show that much and that's probably good right like i'd rather that uh than it tell me exactly what's happening yeah Uh, it's this is going to sound stupid. It almost looks too good because when we do really sharp, like satire, like the pop star, the lonely Island where it like, they made that look really good. Like the way, I mean, literally like visually it looks like an actual, you know, music, uh, documentary or whatever. And, you know, they kind of marketed it like, Oh, it's, it's, it's this this interesting movie about this pop star and it's kind of it's kind of funny and it just died at the box office the same thing with walk hard where they went through so mm-hmm. much effort recording an entire <laughs> album worth of songs oh that's one of like the best nailing, movies ever <laughs> it looks so good and nailing the period stuff like nailing the look of the genre perfectly and again audiences it bombed disastrously was was a horrible like, like performance because audiences just don't get that. So if they've done this here where they've cast actual Oscar award-winning actors to make this, give this the visual look of an elevated horror get-out type thriller, and then it's just pure goofball goofiness, I hope everybody involved in this has like other jobs lined up next, mm-hmm. like before you wait for the box office to come in on this. Um, I, I assume this will be in theaters. Is it a theater thing or is this a streaming thing? I'm actually not I, sure. I think, well, I think it's in theaters just because I saw the trailer in the theater. Okay. So, and the trailer was like exclusive to theaters. So, yeah. Yeah. There's a point where comedies can be too well made and audiences hate it. I don't know why. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, oh, for sure. It's like, well, it, it looks like a real movie, but they're all being goofy. This is just stupid. Why are they, why are they wasting my time with this? It's like, okay, I, I, <laughs> I love it. I've seen all of those. I'm glad they exist, but um, we'll see. Uh, uh, speaking of comedies, next trailer is final trailer for Beavis and Butthead, Do the Universe. This just dropped today. Yeah. I made the very silly choice of being like, I want to see what the, what the cast and crew is like. And when on IMDb, uh, it is just the name Mike Judge it's, four times. Yes, yeah, Mike Judge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Directed by Mike Judge, writing credits, Mike Judge characters, Mike Judge screenplay starring Mike Judge. Yep. It was one of those moments of like, I don't know what I expected. Yeah, I don't know what I thought I was going to see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, this is the, I think, the logical extension of Beavis and Butthead, uh, which is they travel through time to the year 2022. Yep. Uh, uh, I'm unreasonably excited for this. It comes out at the end of the month on Paramount+. Plus. Yeah, I I don't expect any young people to care about no, this. No, why would they? This is just this is just for a specific generation uh, who is this is like catnip for, and I happen to be part of that generation. My only complaint is I don't think you need like the um, time travel because the whole point is they time travel to 2022 present day. It's like, oh, what would Beavis and Butthead from the late 90s think of the modern day? I think it's much funnier if. if it's 2022 and they're just still that same age. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah, need, just like, do I don't the need to explain. Right. You just have them say that stay the same and the world changes around them. We're not confused. Tons of, you know, tons of, uh, I mean, Superman does it like tons of James Bond, tons of, uh, franchises do this. Um, you know, was I, it, I don't know. Yeah. But. Wasn't there a revival yeah. um, for Beavis and Butthead? Mm-hmm. Did that take place no, in the nineties? No, it took place in 2011. And were they young? Yes. Yeah. So there you go. It's weird that they did it this well, way. Well, I mean, there's a specific reason that they did it this way. Right? Like, there's he, Mike Judge has something in mind that requires time travel. Because he's already, obviously, he would just do what we just described because he's already done that. Right. He wants right, the joke right. to be them, those guys commenting on 2022. Like, how would they, coming from out of time, like... Uh, how yeah. the rules have changed and what you can joke about has changed and that sort of thing. Uh, that's what he wants it to be. Uh, about. Right. Which could be disastrous. Um, I don't, uh, depending on the type of person Mike judges, um, it, it could fall flat. I hope there's multiverse stuff in this, which is kind of implied as well. Mm-hmm. Like there's an alien Beavis and Butthead that yeah, show up. And the really I old Beavis that. and Butthead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't mind some of that as well. Uh uh, I assume the old ones are just them meeting themselves in yeah. 2022, right? Probably. Yeah. But who can but say? Yeah. yeah, who can say? Yeah. Gonna, gonna have to watch it. <laughs> We're gonna have to wait. Yeah. Just a few uh, more weeks to to tap into this vein of imagination. And I, hold on. <laughs> and this, you said this is a Paramount Plus exclusive. It's my yeah. Idea, I yeah so. so I'll never, I'll never see it. <laughs> just as i've lost south park from my life i've been watching south park since it came in the air and it's like no it's now exclusive to paramount plus like all right well goodbye yeah That's weirdly it is it is exclusive to both hbo max and paramount plus like oh the okay show, the show is on hbo max their movies that they're making are on paramount plus okay will the movies ever be anywhere other than paramount plus or no is idea. that just okay yeah all right this is this is why the Pirate Bay is becoming a thing again. Yep. Yep. I I just have it all because of the nature of our work and yeah. I have a show uh, where I watch Star Trek the Next Generation, so I have to I have to have Paramount Plus, right? I I got it for Picard and then uh, you know, didn't watch Picard. How did that work out for you? Not great. Mm. It didn't work out great. Mm. But luckily then it was taken off of Netflix, TNG, so it was like, oh, well, at least I have Paramount Plus, I guess. Um, let, let's. Uh, you want to get to news stories, but we we have. Uh, boy, we have some more patrons we to have take, so we should probably do that. Of more patron supporters to name, so yeah, yeah let's do that. So here's some more nonsense words. <laughs> uh, thank thank you very much to Chester's Prophet. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you to definitely not Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, sure. Uh, 
We're on mm. to you. Thank you to thank you to Brian who Tom knows. Sure do. Thank you to Bob Grenville. Thank you so much. Thank you to Stephen. Thank you. Uh, thank you to Han Toomey, the confused cyborg. Beep boop. Thank you. <laughs> thank you to Asking Seven. Thank you so much. Uh, and thank you to Happy Ed Two Oh Nine. Thank you so much. Uh, let me jump in here. Thank you to Tiger Drawers, Pratt Thompson. Raindrops keep falling on my head. Thank, thank you to Dan you. Hackroyd. Thank, thank you. Thank you to Amanda Maltov says economic solidarity is the path to paradise, comrades. Thank you. Thank you to E.T. the Extravagant Terrestrial. Thank, thank you to you. Cody Johnston's Time Machine Noise. Thank, thank you to you. Pete Fort Pagel. Thank, thank you. Thank you to Glitterous, CFO of Michael Shannon's Chocolate Factory. Thank you. And thank you to pre-order Jason Pargin's new book. Pre-orders are super important. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Um, so, Furiosa. Uh, George Miller has been working on it. Uh, he, the he's Mad been like, Max Fury Road sequel. Yeah, hasn't he been doing like some festival tours while working on it at the same time? The only news to come out of it is that it's apparently going to span 15 years, uh, which is interesting. It's a prequel. I assume it's just taking us right up into Fury Road, I guess. I have no idea. What do you guys think? And they've recast, again, for people who have not been keeping up with this, it will not star Charlize Theron. It's, they have recast... Um, it's Anya Taylor-Joy, the actress who's in every movie now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she is the... Hollywood has the one actress they cast in everything at any given time. There's, <laughs> yep. Because uh, there's always like a, a half dozen bankable male stars and there can only ever be one woman. Um, and Listen, right now, those apparently... are the rules. <laughs> we can't can't help it and then uh, laid down yeah. by the wizards of old hollywood mm-hmm. uh, and then they they disappear for like 15 years and come back as a mom because they just that's hollywood is uh terrible yeah you're playing uh, you're playing mom and, and cranky cranky grandma roles or or whatever yeah. um but yeah this is one okay Fury Road is an impossible standard to live up to. I feel like when this comes out, it's going to be some of the rage that came out when the fourth Matrix movie came out, where it's like it's trying to live up to something. Fury Road was lightning in a bottle for a lot of reasons, including its very distinct and unique format, basically getting an entire three-act structure out of one continuous chase and this is an epic that sounds like he's fascinated with giving us all of the lore behind the things that we found more interesting and just glimpsing. So kind of like the alien prequel that I've already forgotten the name of. Um, um a- alien, uh, ba- alien babies, alien covenant, <laughs> alien, about? alien babies. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, the oh, Jesus Christ. Prometheus. I'm, I'm Prometheus. Prometheus. I'm being yes. a shithead. <laughs> um, where it's like the the writer, the director is like, well, this is for example, they they both you're going to find out how Furiosa lost her arm. Well, it's like right. It was far more interesting to me that that was just one of the ten thousand pieces of visual storytelling where this entire rich universe is only glimpsed through the the sets and the costumes and, and that is very brilliantly done and it was so rich because it, you can see all like all these distinct cultures but you saw them by how they decorate their cars 
they're this quasi religions they come up with, you know, th that kind of thing. And how like they've shaped their culture around what they do and what they produce. Whereas here it's like, okay, well, this is clearly what people find interesting. So this is going to be an epic that spans 15 years of Furios's life and explains how the world got to be that way and how she got to be that way. And it's like, this is prequel disease where you're trying to explain the, the purpose of the prequels to explain something I didn't need. Right. Explained. It's, it's like there were things that they did to just decorate the world that like, you know, a good costume designer, a good screenwriter does to show like this is a lived in world. And then they have to like dissect all of those and treat them as lore, you know? Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't like lore the, as a story. Like that's, yeah. it's never supposed to be the story. I think the prime example is like, you know, I think other people have brought this up in star Wars. He trains Luke by putting that black, that helmet on his head. That's just like a pilot's helmet and has him like this ball shoot at him. And then in the prequels, that's like official training. And it's like, that's weird. That means that he just had that equipment on the Millennium on Falcon, the, Falcon, the yeah. original. Yeah. Like that actually makes it dumb. Now you made it dumb. Like it's stuff like that where, yeah, but I, I do trust George Miller. Yeah. He, uh, he's, he's made very good movies. Uh, he's, I, he's made, right. he's made three pretty good Mad Max movies and one. Okay. One. Yeah. And I, I, I agree that like if you go into this expecting Fury Road because the whole thing about Fury Road was it was like oh that looks awesome and then you watch it and you're like I could never have imagined right. it was going to yeah. be that awesome <laughs> uh, that was like uh, incredible and so like yeah there's there's no way it can we should go into it expecting that you know yeah I, I just related to that I'll think I think George Miller has earned the benefit of the doubt but yeah uh, it's it has this is like a thing that has to my knowledge literally never been successful right right and it and it's also like unlike fury road um this is kind of a symptom of mad max fury road did really well and the studio is like okay can more please more and like no one had asked him before <laughs> Fury Road for more Mad Max. That's it feels a question like. he's never been asked. <laughs> yeah, and so like maybe he already had this idea, maybe he didn't. But there's a certain amount of pressure there, I would say. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, a it's a. I mean, we brought up Alien, but that's like a huge in in my mind anyway, a huge example of a, a franchise just fucking itself right up by focusing on yeah. this lore that doesn't matter. I don't know. Right. I don't know. Uh speaking of which, real quick, this is not on the doc, but someone on Twitter, uh anti fascist Dusty, just tagged me. Uh Joseph Kaczynski said that Tron three was apparently written and storyboarded. And then Disney switched their focus to Marvel and Star Wars. So sure, uh, d damn you, Disney. That's all I have to say there. I yeah. could have gotten Tron three. We all could have, uh, Dave. It would have been a gift we to, all to, to us to us all. Yeah. Okay. So it's a real shame. Let's move on to the big story that we've sort of been hinting at the entire episode. Yeah. Man, yeah. I mean, big, we got big to this story quickly. to us. We got to it an hour and ten minutes into the. Yeah, that's show, not bad. So that's yeah. It's not too bad. It's not too bad. Uh, Jason, do you want to? You showed the most interest in this, so do you kind of want to 
Well, the the headline that went viral on Twitter Mm -hmm. was that Netflix was going to stop making expensive vanity projects like The Irishman. Because The Irishman famously incredibly expensive to make because they had to CGI 50, 50 years off of every single character. So for a movie that you wouldn't think about it as a special effects spectacular, it had more effects shots than but probably any action movie you've seen this year, because every shot they had to de-age these characters to a degree, except for the, you know, the brief scenes when everybody was their current extremely advanced ages. Um, And so it was an outrage headline because for anyone to refer to the Irishman of all things as an expensive vanity project is not a great example of an expensive Vanity no. project. When you have Adam Sandler getting paid some gigantic amount of money to go on vacation with his four, with David Spade and other people who would not be allowed to work if not for, for Happy Madison. Yeah, it's. I think um, they're conf- they're conflating expensive and vanity. They do not mean the same thing. Right. Like this is Martin Scorsese making a movie that, like dissects old age and aging and what it means to regret your life, and it's this long meditative movie that touches on all these themes that he's touched on before and you know it was nominated for many awards like this is the type of like prestige project that you invest in because it brings other filmmakers and creators to your platform and that was a hundred percent their goal at the time yes so we're trying to bring in people like fincher you know um uh, um oh crap uh roma uh, the director is I'm, I'm blanking on the director. Uh, Alfonso Cuaron? Cuaron, yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like st- stuff like that. I think they were, this is when they were really trying to make their bid um, as a legitimate studio that could put out like uh, movies that got Oscar nominations. Like that's why they did this. But the overall point is that I don't know if people realize Netflix. They reported in the previous quarter a drop in viewership for the very first time in the company's history, and their stock price collapsed because their model and the streaming services are all based on basically infinite growth that we will spend, spend, spend to bring in. And so we have had over the past several years as the streaming model has taken over, the spending spree, I mean, you probably saw the headline or you may have if you don't keep up with industry headlines that stranger things is costing netflix 30 million dollars per episode yeah that's wild i mean having watched all the new ones it i know why now uh and i actually think they 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 came out pretty good they're all like feature length all the episodes Mm -hmm. and they're all like sweeping on through like these all these multiple locations and it's going all over the place so like yeah, it's clear yeah. why. They were given but a blank God check. Damn. Just as yeah. when Amazon Prime bought The Lord of the Rings for half a billion dollars right. before yeah. they even spent $1 on the show. Like, they just paid that much for the rights to make it, even though they can't include any of the famous characters we know from the movies. That There was this period of where these streaming services basically had blank checks, and we got a ton of crazy expensive programming out of it. That is, we are in the popping of the bubble right now because Netflix is slashing staff. Right. Mm-hmm. They're cutting, because they're slashing budgets. They killed off their entire animation division. They, they, they fired yeah. all of those people. Like they, they, they still, killed that whole department. They still won't 
acknowledge it. Like I, a, a former colleague of mine writes for, I, I, I won't say where this person writes for, but still continues to write in entertainment and has been keeping up with their, here's their next round of animation layoffs and keeps like reaching to them for comment and they won't acknowledge that that's what they're doing. Like, like, oh, we're right. still we're still putting out animations. Like, yes, but you're cleaning house. You're out firing everything. You're canceling projects. <laughs> it's it's because like this the blank check stage. They seem to have this idea that they were just going to keep growing. Yeah, but like there's they all be do. Only, yeah, and they don't understand that like a subscription service is different than a theatrical release, right? Like making these big expensive movies doesn't necessarily make them more money back Mm -mm. because they are doing subscriptions so it's just the people who have the subscriptions are like oh yeah i like stranger things you know oh new season i've already i'm already part of like like your revenue like that's the thing is like at a certain point they're just not going to get more people that if it's only going to go the opposite way or they'll sustain the same amount of people but like once you're the biggest streaming service, you have to you have to realize like this is as much money as we're capable of making, right? Like Netflix isn't gonna get more people. It already got all the people when it first happened. Uh and so like I yeah, I just don't know it just seems unsustainable in general. Uh like like Jason said, it's a bubble where it's like you can see that where they're obsessed with growth, but at a certain point they have to accept like we're not there's no there's we can't make more money off of this model. It just we just can't. Well, when, and that's when, OK. When you're a publicly traded company, everything changes. And so Netflix right. had an ocean of investor capital flowing in because they were one of the four big tech stocks. Right. They call the Fang stocks, whereas Apple, Netflix, Am- or Amazon, or whatever it was, um, and you had it was one of the, it was like easy money because it was just if you look at the graph on their growth, it, the stock price is just up, 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 because they were always just getting more and more and more, and the whole concept of a bubble where it's like we have basically infinite money, and as long as you know. When all of the, they finally started getting competition, it's not just that the customers had other streaming services they could watch. And the big monster right now is Disney. The one that really started to eat into their customer base was Disney Plus. Oh, yeah. It literally took its Marvel shows back and now it's making them again. That's the issue. Um, It's not just that the customers have another thing to watch. Is that their actual content library disappeared? That these shows like Daredevil, yeah. these shows, you know, that they had spent all this money on making these gritty Marvel series that did so well for them for a while. Um, what was the one that finally was bad? The Defenders uh, or Iron Fist. Yeah, the the Fist, yeah. the Iron Fist guy was one that suddenly wasn't so great, but like Jessica Jones was was great, and all of the they had the string of hits. And then, but what was not obvious is that by far and away, their most popular shows were The Office and Friends. Right. And they were getting free money because they had between those two shows, something like 500 episodes, right, of inventory that someone else paid the huge money to make. Because, you know, it got to a point on Friends where each of those cast members were making like two million bucks an episode. Like that was one of the most expensive shows in history, purely because of the cast. And NBC made that investment, so then they pay 
whatever outrageous amount of money they paid for friends. But it's hard for people to understand that it wasn't Stranger Things and these other originals that were driving Netflix's time-watched metrics. It was these reruns. And those shows are now gone. Like, their their library has been gutted. Right. And what's left are these projects. Yep. Like, the stuff the stuff that they're now shifting to, like, if you, like, the this Hollywood Reporter article has, like, the most viewed Netflix movies on the bottom. And it's not that I'm against these movies. It's just that they're a certain type of movie. They're, they're, it's, we've talked about it on the show, the Netflix look, where it's all evenly lit. Everything's bright colors. Uh, there's, it's, it's made in, um, I would argue, a very generic way. And those happen to also be the movies that uh, get a lot of views because they're the most like family-friendly, global, big blockbuster style. Uh and I don't know, it's kind of, I think it's another bubble for them to say, okay, we're just going to do stuff like that now, because that's not going to work out well, no, for them, it's, I don't it's, think it's either. It's interesting in this article that uh, we're talking about, uh, first of all, uh, the expensive vanity project is not actually a quote attributed to Netflix in it, so I'm not sure why they put it in quotes in the title. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, they got it, them a ton of social engagement. Sure did. Yeah. Uh, it's it's an anonymous uh, uh, Netflix executive they are quoting, but they don't quote that actual that exact phrase to this person. Very so, interesting. Interesting. Anyway, um, when you look up the the budget of the Irishman is one hundred seventy five million. Um, budget of Red Notice was I believe three hundred million. Right. So it's like they're not spending less. <laughs> they're uh, they're spending more uh, on on these bigger. Uh, Right, four quadrant blockbuster starring movie stars because, like you said, that's their new bubble now. Now that they've moved beyond uh, the movies trying to earn them credibility and to attract uh, artists, uh, big big name artists to their uh, to their service. Now this is the move, and in two years, we're they're going to start. They're just going to go through the same cycle again. Um, right, and, because ultimately it's still a subscription service. Right, that... it's, it's still it's all still the same problem, and I think that's why we wanted to spend time talking about this particular issue because it's it's we've seen this play out so many different times just in the past like half decade, let alone the past two decades of the internet being like a real force in 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 media and entertainment, uh, publishing right. on the internet anyway, uh, which is that it's always. Hedge is spending all this money to hedge your bets against, uh, or hedge your bets towards um, endless growth. And when that doesn't happen because it can't happen, it uh, ends up it it turns into um, you know Saturday Night Massacre, like uh, laying people off, cutting projects, uh, stuff that's was you know I remember like a year or a year and a half. Uh, it was a little bit into the pandemic. A bunch of shows that had already been green lit were suddenly retroactively canceled uh, because right. they had to suddenly tighten their purse strings, both because of the pandemic and because uh, streaming is so much more competitive now. Uh, there's so many more outlets. And as Jason was pointing out, all these new outlets launching their own streaming service are taking all their content back. So yeah, uh, it also, it's, yeah. it's very, very bad uh, for creative people. <laughs> yeah, they also, I don't think they actually understand what works and what doesn't, because I would argue the strongest thing they have right now is Stranger Things. They were right to give them a lot of money. Yeah. Um, 
they're going by like this the the thing they have here is minutes viewed what's been viewed the most and i think the problem with that is like red notice the adam project um they don't get talked about like they people put them on they watch them with family like people might have watched them but they don't get any buzz um the only buzz netflix has been getting lately is the fact that they keep having these stand-up specials of people doing a bunch of transphobic jokes like they've been getting negative buzz Mm -hmm. the most buzz they had recently about a show was squid game and again that's a tv show right um uh i don't know what the numbers were for squid squid games i do know that dave Chappelle's special was uh like like extremely like it, it also got a shitload of views um and so what i'm getting to now is like i feel like the numbers of views doesn't isn't actually for streaming i i I don't know why i'm just suspecting it i don't think that actually equates to the things they should do okay this this is the heart of the problem because i don't want to get too inside baseball here because it gets into some boring stuff about tracking and analytics that kind of thing yeah when you are doing any kind of a publication any kind of a, a movie or show anything if you're doing a movie where people have to buy a ticket to see it, that's very straightforward, right? Uh, yeah, it's, exactly. You can, it's, you know, we sold this many tickets, made this amount of money. Anything else, a website, a newspaper, a magazine, for example, with a magazine, back in the olden days of magazines, some of you people listening, you still buy magazines, right? Physical magazines. I see them at the drugstore. They, somebody's buying yeah, someone, them. Someone, someone else, out yeah. there, one of you sick bastards is out there buying <laughs> these things. You are are trying to like you're trying to maintain a a subscriber base and you can they would know that if we put a certain celebrity on the cover, we will sell more copies that week. But in terms of like individual columnists and things like that, they had no possible way of knowing how many of those subscribers are there for that columnist or that feature or the style. You're always guessing And with TV, like with the networks, they used to publish their Nielsen ratings. And that was something everybody knew. It was in the paper. You knew which shows were hits, which shows were failures. With Netflix, because they're not used, you know, and advertisers had to have that information. They had to know how many people saw their ad. Since Netflix is not advertising driven and it's only subscriber driven, it is no matter how hard you try. No matter how much like marketing research you do, focus group testing, anything, you will never know how many of those subscribers were just there for friends and the office until friends in the office is gone. Like you can see minutes watched, you can track user behavior, but in terms of did we make our money back with the $40 million we paid Ricky Gervais? Did we make our money back for the whatever fifty million dollar, whatever Dave Chappelle's deal was for the multiple shows they bought from it, him? Did I read that, that it cost more than Squid Games, so that's yeah, that's weird. So, in terms of an, an executive there, if you ask them, did we make our money back? Like, obviously, it did not earn us fifty million dollars of more new subscriptions because subscriptions are going down. But then the counterfactual of well, would we? Would we be losing subscribers if we didn't have this type of content? I don't mean transphobic jokes. I mean, specifically big name comedian stand-up shows. And right. no one at that company knows that. And I know this because I've spent 20 years working for various, my own website and then 13 years working for Cracked. 
And with a website, you can see every single thing. You can see every page people looked at, how long they looked at it. We know the time on site. We know the time on site for each article. We know how many pages, how far you scrolled in each article. We have all that data. And we still had no idea <laughs> because right. you had columns that were read by fewer people, but the people who read them read more of them and probably recommended more of them. And they became loyal readers, whereas some of the other content did great numbers, but it did great numbers with people who kind of washed in from Facebook and Google, glanced at it for 30 seconds and then left and mm -hmm. never came back. So right. It looked good because you can say, oh, gosh, this slideshow had, you know, however many, you know, 400,000 unique readers. And then they spent whatever, 2.5 you know, minutes on it on average. That's a huge success. But in terms of over the long term, did that slideshow continue to build you a loyal audience of people who would come back every day without having to be told? People who would come back every day without having to be advertised to? Loyal people who are there coming back on their own, spending all day on the site, buying the merchandise. You have to know that some viewers and some people care more, like they're more valuable, not because they're more valuable as human beings. They're more valuable because they love your stuff more than these casual people who kind of browsed in and browsed out. It is impossible to know as a publication or as any kind of an outlet what people are there to see and what they're they're not, even if you can see how much time they're spending watching stuff. Because the long-term effect of, is this content disposable? And what they're finding is that when another outlet comes along or when, when a, an alternative comes along, like Disney Plus has got a big enough library, yeah, a lot of their fans who they thought of as like happy customers were happy to leave because it turned out, you actually were very disposable to them that they had you on in the background that they weren't passionate fans of whatever reality shows you invested in instead of these expensive TV shows, which has been Netflix's thing recently, obviously. Um, right. And that people a, can, yeah. People can get that stuff kind of anywhere. And so it's, it is not straightforward, but it is hard to watch because all three of us have worked at places where you have the initial rise and everyone loves you. And then you have the period of investment and the hiring spree where you're bringing new people on, investing in new types of content. And then once you crest and you hit the, okay, we're cutting back period. You're in this position where you, your directive is, Grow the audience, but give them less and worse content yep, <laughs> or right, cheaper, exactly. cheaper content. It, it's yep. like, give them less and keep them right. It's like, okay, do you understand they, we're not, we're not selling cancer drugs here. We're giving away light entertainment and informative articles. Like they, we, they don't need what we're offering to survive. You have to dazzle people to keep them here. It, it, if they're just casually browsing as something to kill time in the toilet, they'll just go to Facebook. They'll go to Reddit. Yeah. They'll go anywhere. To keep people and make them loyal, you have to make them love what you do. And making them really love what you do means you have to bring in personalities and people who are truly unique and great at what they do. And those people cost money. And once you're on that downside, once it's just cut, 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 cut. That is 
rough. It's rough for everybody working there. It's rough for the audience because you can tell. You can tell. There's it, just less being offered to you. And oh, yeah. they, they keep raising the price every year. Yep. I also think that's is what's behind stuff like this Ricky Gervais and Dave Chappelle stuff, which is that I think that's their equivalent of like they because it, I think at this point it's like the quest to go viral yeah. as opposed mm-hmm. to the quest to be consistently good. That's why I was pointing out TV shows is like that's what they should do. That's what keeps people like that's the only reason I literally almost canceled my Netflix this month. And then Stranger Things was like two more episodes in July. And I was like, ah, damn it. I have to wait for that. Because that's the only reason they stick around is if it's a TV show that I want to watch or one that I like having on a bunch. Um, I think the da- like they probably saw, oh, Dave Chappelle has been trending on Twitter for a week. Ricky Gervais has been trending on Twitter. Uh, that means it's working. Exactly. It didn't matter if it's negative or not. Uh, and so it's that it's that idea of like stand up specials. You get a controversial stand up comedian, pay him less than you would for like to make a movie or a TV show. And bam, you got something that that everybody's talking about. Doesn't matter if it's good or bad, and everybody's watching it. Doesn't matter if they're hate watching it or not. Uh, and that's just not sustainable. Uh, it's like the clickbait model on the internet. Where yeah, there's yeah. exactly. this period of several years, and it's like just make the headline where they have to click through to find out what it's about. Has you Jackman died? <laughs> no. Right. It's like you have to click through to find. It's like this was the model. It's like we're geniuses. All you need to do is make them click. And it's like, well, yeah, no, because you don't have a happy customer there. You don't have somebody who you've enriched their life at all. You just trick them into moving their mouse finger or they're touching their phone and they're not going to be tricked a second time. Um and it's like, well, yeah, but look at the numbers. Look, look at how we made the line go up today. Right. It's and- the reason why uh, separate story but related. Morbius is getting a re-release in theaters. It was announced yeah. Yeah. because Are they were sure like, "Oh, that's true." Are you sure that's it, not just a joke somebody made? So Screen Rant is covering it. A, a few places are covering it. Um, it's coming from Comic Book, which I do not think is a. Um, I wouldn't trust it. I wouldn't fully trust it. So yeah, I am I am a bit um, suspicious of this, but I also yeah we'll we'll have to wait and see. I guess so. I shouldn't so, talk about it too much. The, in the this. rumor, the rumor, let's call it a rumor for right now, is that they're bringing it back in like a thousand theaters or something like that, right? Yeah, right. Because of all of the memes, and they think that when people post memes about how a movie is bad that we will spend money in this economy, we will spend money to go watch it ironically. In a theater, when it's already available on digital. A lot of people have gone broke on that assumption. Yeah. (laughs) That, that, oh, the nerds, the nerds love joking about this. They will surely spend money. It's like, nope. And this, (laughs) what this this ultimately does uh, is it creates a, 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 mindset in both the production side of of entertainment like the the distribution side with these big uh, conglomerates like netflix and such and also to a degree i feel like on on the audience side where it it just across the board just devalues art and entertainment in everybody's mind because it's it's the you're just it's like you mentioned disposable content like even calling it content sort of removes the the artistry from it removes the creativity from it it's just a product uh and so they slash i don't know it's it's really frustrating and and depressing (laughs) 
Yeah, and it's not it's not everywhere. It's just a very common thing that happens, you yeah. know. Yeah. It's the it's 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 a lot of studio and producer think it's that idea of like we want this idea and we want it to be big and we want it to be funny and we want it to be like this and that and that but also can it be like 90 minutes and not cost us much money and it's like you have to you have to make a decision you have to you have to do something you have to you have to swing uh and so it feels like the subscription service has made them unable to know like like we're saying know when something's risky or not at all and so like they don't even know when to take a risk they don't know what's a risk uh and so they're it's just they're completely blind and it's just at at that point everything's content and it's just about it's just about the overall service right it's yeah, not about I, making a a piece of art no that's it's why yeah. it's the only way they can measure it is in is in minutes watched that's like yeah very telling it's you're is this no there's no qualitative assessment there like you're not right yeah a lot of people saw it but like how actively who were are they, those people who are who yeah. are they how actively were they watching were all of those minutes watched by different subscribers were they all watched uh like was it the was it an example of four people on the same netflix account watching the same show like so that's only one subscription. So there's like, and I have no idea right. if they if they have a way uh, uh, if if those are if stuff like that is factored into the numbers when they report. Well, yeah, it's it's the idea of like, okay, everybody watched Bird Box and Extraction, probably because it was they had Netflix already. It's there, and it's like, oh yeah, we'll watch this. Uh, that doesn't. They don't know if everybody liked it. If everybody will watch a second one, but they'll be like, oh, this was watched a lot. All right, well then we're. And it's that idea of like, if it was in theaters, would people have still went and watched it, or is it simply that it's available? That's that's the, uh, yeah, that's a huge well, other thing that doesn't get taken into account. Like, it's not just like, well, because you, you could say you could argue that well, people watched nine billion hours of Bird Box, so it stands to you would make a sequel just because people watched it so much. But like, you can't. That's that's when it's just there on Netflix on your couch on TV. Like, if you had to actually get in a car and drive to a theater and spend money uh on a ticket to see bird box would it have still been nine billion hours right or uh if you then were asked to invest another two hours would you it's the equivalent where it's like yeah you'll watch it at home uh because there's no effort but then if they're like so here's another bird box people that's going to be a big drop off right because it's just going to be people who just won't care bird box is coming next month will you renew your subscription yeah so you can see bird box too that's the key and they can't know that because some of those people who watch bird box it was just on in the background the 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 young people it's a two-screen experience and so their standard for what they'll throw up there but they're those same people are not going to go to amazon prime and pay 25 dollars for a, a still in movies release and throw it up on screen and then look at their phone the whole time because that's too much to to pay so it's right. a totally different standard and again i don't i can't emphasize enough like earlier we talked about you know a, a foreign language show that looked like it was going to be spectacular it's going to be like everybody's favorite show um and we talked about squid game which i loved that's a show that i would never have been exposed to like it is a that has enriched my life the way Netflix invested in foreign content introduced like the South Korean stuff. I would never have been exposed to that 10 years ago, but like the fact that they 
to fill out their library, they reached for some of that stuff, took those kind of risks. I'm worried that the Netflix of the future, that that same money would get thrown to a a, a reality show, an English language reality show or something like that. Red versus, Notice 2. Yeah. Or like 10 more stand-up specials. Or the, yeah, like, which I yeah. guess stand-up is kind of in the same category as reality shows because there's no production to it. It's just... You know, there's no right. there's no writers, there's no there's no director attached. It's it's just the talent and and the comedians and like the British, the BBC panel shows. People in the UK complain about. I guess BBC is like they pivoted away from like big dramas like Peaky Blinders and more. It's just tons and tons and tons of panel shows and comedians because they're so cheap to produce that mm -hmm. people are like, well, why is our TV license going to pay? Like it's just cheaper and cheaper content instead of like these very good dramas you used to have. Um, Cause obviously like the Sherlock, the Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock show used to be on there. Um, right. So it is, I don't know. I, I worry what it's going to look like. And people will ask, well, like, what about the other services? See, I think they're all just different stages of the bubble. I think that Disney plus right now has, you know, by taking all of their stuff out of the theaters, but and putting it at making it streaming. Cause obviously the Ben Obi-Wan Kenobi, that was supposed to be a movie that's supposed to be part of their plan. Remember it's going to be at alternate movies every other year, like a standalone character movie and then a mainstream Mm -hmm. And then that died with Solo, <laughs> but it also died with the pandemic because, yeah, again, yeah. when theaters closed, it made that decision really easy to just dump, dump everything into Disney+. Plus. Well, at some point, these people are going to sit down. The bean counters are going to look at their spreadsheets and say, well, okay, you know, a huge mainstream release used to get us at least a billion worldwide, probably closer to 1.5. So... We've dumped all of this stuff to Disney Plus. Here's where our subscriber, you know, numbers are year over year. Are we making the just absolute catastrophic amounts of money we're used to as Disney? Right. <laughs> and maybe they are because maybe a Disney Plus show is just as good at moving merchandise, which is a bigger piece of the pie for them than it is for somebody like Sony. You know, it's maybe that it doesn't matter because streaming pushes toys and, and stuffed animals just as well as theatrical, but boy, it is hard to, it is hard to compete with everybody paying 15 bucks a ticket and the yeah. whole family going. It is hard to match that on a streaming service, no matter how big your subscriber base. And I think right now Disney plus is just in that grow, grow, grow every quarter is bigger than the last that it's going to grow forever mode. That I think they, as with all of these, are going to hit that tipping point that Netflix just hit first because they were first in. Yeah, I think they'll hit it even harder because they, <laughs> you go on Disney Plus, they don't separate things by genre. Star Wars is a genre. Marvel is a genre. Like, that's, that's the problem with Disney is now their genres are properties. And the moment people lose interest in one of them, guess what? You know, like people always watch horror movies, but when you're a streaming service that has a Star Wars section, if Star Wars uh, suddenly becomes not something people are into, like that, you just chopped off one of their limbs, you know? Or let me put it another way. Now that they have established that Star Wars is a TV show, right. will there ever be another gigantic Star Wars movie? Or are they going right. to see it as the equivalent of somebody made, you know, like the Bob's Burgers movie? Like, that's amusing, but that's not going to be a billion-dollar property. It's just a fun mm -hmm. little thing they made. 
Well, Star Wars is now a weekly TV show, which, I, I, as I've said on Twitter, it lends itself to that. They were yeah. it was adapted from George, the weekly serials from George Lucas's childhood, like the right. the cute little cliffhangers and MacGuffins, like that. All lends itself to weekly viewing. That's maybe the level it always should have been at, but at some point they are going to want to go back with Ryan Johnson's his Star Wars trilogy that's been in development that they claim is still in development. At some point, they're going to want to be able to put a Star Wars in theaters that grosses them $1.5 billion worldwide. I don't know if that's a thing anymore because it's a TV show now. And if you say, come see this TV show in the theaters, aren't all the people who are paying for Disney Plus going to say, well, it'll be on Disney Plus in a couple months. Yeah, and they won't be wrong. Uh, Yeah, yeah, because they have to feed that machine now. So there's a cheapening effect of because we earlier we talked about like the the trailer for their Pinocchio movie. That's a direct to Disney Plus thing. If that had been made 10 years ago, is that something that would have gone directly to DVD, directly to Disney Channel? Or is it something that would have been their huge summer movie like because it looks cheap to my eyes? It looks like a made for Disney (laughs) Plus thing. Right. But they probably... If it costs a lot of money, it costs a lot of money to pay Tom Hanks and Robert Zemeckis. It didn't look, doesn't look like it costs a lot of money to produce. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. And the some of the magic is gone, not to be nostalgic or sound like an old man, but it flattens everything out into TV show. That if you're Disney and you also own Fox, you know, 20th Century Fox, like these used to be your event summer the your event blockbuster movies you know it's all of those indiana jones all of those properties they now own it'll be very interesting because once you've made it a tv show like that's great that's great you you've made a lot of money for disney plus but i don't i like if they had come out with if they had decided to keep obi-wan kenobi as a movie and say it was opening next week after Top Gun 2 has come out and they're going to come out with their Obi-Wan movie. What is that gross on opening weekend? I don't think it's a $100 million opening weekend. I don't know. I don't know. But I think people question. watch it as a TV show. I think it makes it looks like a fun TV show. But in terms of would people get the kids, get together, pay $60 for, for tickets and, and popcorn to watch Obi-Wan Kenobi, you, you watch Ewan McGregor on the big screen? I don't know that they, at this point, I don't know that they would. Because I think it's a lesser the Mandalorian. Exactly. Right. Yeah, I think that it's related to the idea of devaluing what you're producing, and it's you know it's a it's a it's a good thing overall for people because obviously it's stuff is expensive, money's tight, especially right now. So, but uh, I yeah. think I think what it ultimately means is they're going to have to start you know related to the the idea of endless growth that we've been talking about. It's like they're going to you need to start adjusting your expectations because after and not just specifically to Star Wars. Uh, but after just you know three years in a pandemic and this uh, everything coming to streaming and that becoming like the new landscape of movies and now like the release window is like two months where it used to be like six months or even eight months but between when a movie would be in the theaters to when it would be on home video, uh, I think the days of like movies that gross two billion dollars uh, might be done. Oh, well, until Avatar two. Until Avatar but, uh, two, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that is, they, they've given us very little avatar. It's the opposite. Um, I, I think the thing that frustrates me about this, going back to why I think we're attracted to the story is that it's kind of the quibby thing too, which is, it's very frustrating to watch these large companies make these obviously 
bad decisions and know that the people at the top who made the decisions will be fine. Yeah. The people who are going to get hurt by all of this, much like Quibi, are the people that are artists uh, and writers and, and actors and animators. They're the people actually, and this is the same with any company doing this, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but it's, I think, personal to us with the entertainment stuff. It's just, it's really frustrating to watch them make these decisions based off imperfect information with their finger far off the pulse of what's happening and knowing it's going to fucking fall apart. It's going to uh, destroy a lot of careers. Uh, yeah. And, and meanwhile, Jeffrey Katzenberg will play the song from Trolls and go on to his next $2 billion deal. Exactly. Which is a thing he uh, did on the phone call yeah. when he fired everybody from Quibi. He played for them the song from Trolls. Anyway. That's wild. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, any other thoughts on this? Do we want to keep going? No, I I, I, I have. I, I'm just going to end up repeating myself uh, even more than I already have. <laughs> well, it's frustrating. Yeah, because yeah, I, I guess my point is right now it impacts us because we know people who either we know people who have lost work over this or that we know the type of people who lost work over this. Because like Netflix, they had hired a bunch of people to run a website to like generate mm-hmm. content for them. And that was the first thing they cut when it came time. to. So like all these people, just like a couple weeks after they moved across the country. To yeah, go with, work within, there. within months, yeah. they shut that whole thing down. <laughs> yeah, so we either know people or we know people who know people. Like, these are the circles we run in. But it will start impacting you, the audience, very, very quickly. Because That's you're going to start to notice less and worse content out of yeah. Netflix. <laughs> and you're going to see the same bubble pop from... Because, like, Amazon Prime... Amazon... I don't know if people realize this. Amazon is only profitable because of their web hosting. AWS, that's their profit center. They do not make money off of their online shop, and they sure as hell do not make money off streaming. So they're pouring all this money into streaming because they're still at that stage where it's all that matters is the eyeballs. We're going to attract big-name creators, big-name movies, you know, big-name, like, series. We're going to pull them over. They bought football. They bought the NFL football. It's going to, this next season, one week, one day a week, it's going to air only on Amazon Prime. It's paid outrageous money for that. (laughs) Yeah. But that but that bubble will pop too because at some point it always happens. The bill always comes due where somebody and at the top who looks at the spreadsheet says, "Hey, I'm sorry, you know we're making slightly less money off AWS now. We're making slightly less money off of due to supply chain or whatever. We're making slightly less money off of selling stuff for below cost. We got to cut somewhere, and this." You know, this whole our, our attempts to get into streaming when you've got five other companies cutting each other's throats trying to, to pull away market share, it's too expensive and it's not getting the results. So like this hugely expensive Lord of the Rings show, that may be the last monster budget thing they ever make. Like that may be the thing that makes them say, oh, we did not make back five percent of this. Like we can't justify this. But during the bubble. The bubble period is great for audiences because they're just throwing money around and it's good for creators. Yeah. You know, all these big projects, <laughs> but that bill always comes due. I've lived through multiple bubble poppings in my life. 
Yep. <laughs> yeah. And it is hard to watch, but it's one of those things where it hits the creators first. You hear them complaining first, and then it's in the subsequent years as the audience. You're this is where when you search search something on Google now, and the first three ones you click on all slam you into a paywall, and you get very frustrated as a, as a browser is like. Oh, it's all behind a paywall now. Like this is, it's making Google useless because everything I click on, it's just paywall. It's like, if you rewind a few years, all of your creator friends, you saw them yelling about this. <laughs> this is right. Exactly. This is the, the layoffs hit them a few years ago. And then this is everybody pivoted to, you have to pay to look at it. And it's going to be the same thing it's, it's going to be, it's like, well, whatever happened to all these shows that you still have? Why, why are they all on a separate streaming service? Like, this is this is what we were all whining about a few years ago, and you'll you'll see it. It's um, but you know it's coming. I, it's kind of if we had an economist on here, they would probably say, well, no, this is the natural demand and growth curve. It's just the way it works. But boy, it's hard to watch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Feels like maybe right. this the 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 economy functioning properly shouldn't devastate uh, an entire. Uh, 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 a field of, of professionals once every five years. Yeah. <laughs> Especially creatives. Uh, it seems like it it's is... Be, uh, it's be, it, it, yeah, I think it all... That, that's a whole other soapbox that I'll stand on a different yeah. time, but I think it all it goes has back a lot to, to do with the internet and digital stuff, too. And how little we value art. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well... You want to move on? Do you want to thank I some think more it's producers? Time. Yeah, let's thank some more patron producers. Yeah. Uh, well, I do want to. I do want to note before we thank the patron producers. This is why we we love you guys. Why you're important, and why this is the model that me and Tom kind of have very firmly stuck to, because it's a direct relationship mm-hmm. uh, between us and you guys, uh, and the it's really easy to kind of know what's working and what's not because of that. Yeah. As opposed to advertisers and stuff like that. And it's part of the, you know, after one of these bubbles burst, we made this so that, you know, so it wouldn't happen again. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and Um, while the, the patrons are wonderful and you're all heroes, Patreon as a company is apparently becoming more difficult to work with. I hear more. Oh no. But um, I think it's the same thing where the people who put the investors behind Patreon were like, well, you're you're not keeping all of this money. You're you're just it's going to the creators like this isn't how it's supposed to work. We're people paying money and then we keep it all. And the, right. And the creators work for pennies. Why, why are you letting them have all the money? After all, you're. You're the one processing the payments. It's that's, right. that's the hard part, not <laughs> yes. making yeah, a bunch you, of content. Uh, but it's your algorithm. It's a lesson that's, Facebook learned and Google. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Why? It's part of. The, I was going to say part of the reason why the top three articles you'll see on Google or hit you to a paywall is because the other thing you see when you type something into Google is the first thing you see is Google's carousel, which is literally Google stealing the information from these yeah, websites yeah, yeah, scraping it from the people yep. that were paid to write it and just yep. giving it away for free scraping the ads off so of it. you so, never leave google yeah yeah so yes yeah, mm. so you never have to click through to the professionals who actually went out and did the work for you because i i know i i anyway. just i feel like I, I come on these shows and i complain about i do the same thing with sean baby and brockway's podcast i'll come on and complain about the industry i know that's not why people tune in but but this does <laughs> this will affect you that this is something that you're you're gonna see this on your end and we're we're all very fortunate people we do realize that but it's it's 
that is the the patrons who make who make this possible and for me it's the people who actually buy my books instead of just uh, just stealing them, which they could easily do. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Amazon, it's, there's a whole. Th- I don't know if you've seen this. Just real quick, there's a whole thing on I think uh, on 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 Book Talk, Book TikTok, uh, where they're pushing the idea that uh, um, Amazon will will allow return returns of of digital of e ebooks uh, for an absurdly long amount of time. Uh, yeah, so, so it's like, like a library. Exactly, Just exactly. Read it. So like, here's it. how you can read any book you want for free. And there's like videos <laughs> telling people yeah. to do this. Uh, <laughs> read all the books you want yeah, and then return damn. them. It doesn't hurt anyone. <laughs> yeah, it's a victimless crime. Just go to the library. Go to the library. That's why it exists. Because <laughs> after all, in a perfect world, the government would be paying these authors to live. It's like, well, yeah, but that's not occurring right now right <laughs> like well under a socialist utopia i shouldn't have to pay for books it's like well yeah but under a socialist utopia the author wouldn't have to pay for food either but they do yeah so you know you, you can't you can't just um, you, you can't just live in your own socialist utopia and exclude everyone else <laughs> yeah. that's, you know uh, well this should yeah. be free so i'm taking it All right. uh it just reminds me of the, the Adam and his package song called Anarchy Means I Litter, which is it's the same basic principle. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Oh man. Yeah. Let's uh let, let's let's name some more patron uh, right. of, of our of our beloved. Yeah, because I supporters. I could keep talking about this. Yeah. Uh, and we probably shouldn't. Listen, big thank you to the Midnight Patron with Patrons at Midnight. Yeah, thank you very out. much. Thank you to Exploding Runes. Thank you. Uh, thank you to Andrew, the proud Satanist. How? Hail Satan. Uh, thank you to Vincent. Thank you so much. Thank you to Rev MD. Thank you. Thank you to Lauren Gucci. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Bootler Bootleson. Thank you so much. Thank you to Tux. Tux. Thank you to Ricky Cilantro. Thank you. Thank you to Norm from Cheers. Norm. Thank you to Space McNulty. Uh, always. Uh, let me jump in here. Uh, thank you to your mom. Thank you. Thank you to Nolan Mayton. Thank you to Andrew. You. Follow Marine on Twitch and Patreon at Heartfist Brain McGuire. Thank you. Thank you to AJ. AJ. Thank you thank to Tip you. Drizzle. Thank you. Thank you to Brito Mouth. Thank, thank you. Thank you to the ghost of Dave Thomas. Thank you. Thank you, you to Aaron Burser. Thank you very thank much. Thank you to Christopher Robert Sparts Esquire. Thank you. Thank you to Mackenzie Fuck Shuffling with Willem Dafoe's confusingly large dick chill. Thank you. Thank you to Funky J. Thank you. And thank you to Pie Guy. Thank you, Pie Guy. Dave, it's been a while. Um, it's been a while. Uh, two hours, to be exact. Uh huh. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> since we began my, this my, Odyssey, my cat is on my desk, wondering where her dinner is. Um. So I'm just gonna cut the shit, Dave. I'm gonna cut. You the cut shit. the shit. This yeah, you week, cut the shit. it is I who is carving the shit. Uh, just go ahead and tell us what your movie that deserves more hype is this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get right to it. Uh, this is called Earwig. Uh, this is, there's no release date. They're saying around like November this year, it's doing the festivals right now. Uh, it's not going to be for everybody. I'm just going to throw that out there right away. It looks real bleak. Um, it's about a caretaker who is taking care of a little girl with ice for teeth. Uh, and then is told to prepare the girl for a trip. Uh, and that's as much as I know. Um, (laughs) it's it sounds it's compared a lot to like uh, one comparison has it compared to uh, 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 uh or one review compares it to a racer head 
Um, oh, good. Yeah, quote, which is close to this movie in both style and spirit. Um, however, this movie is two hours. <laughs> um, and so, like, and he's... They, 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 a lot of descriptions of this is like an endurance test as like a very trippy, weird, bleak film that's like, uh, do, like doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense. Uh, so this is like one of those things where it's like, this is, I'm into it. I don't blame anyone for not being into this one. Well, this, this is, one looks fucking weird. Uh, right. But this is a type of movie the either you like this type of movie it's where it's like dream dream logic yeah it's like naked lunch like it's not as it's a narrative that makes any kind of sense at all it's a series of feelings and sensations and it's kind of like there's a story but it's not going to lead to like some satisfying place it's right it's it's like a hallucination and it's supposed to make you very uncomfortable and, and it's the whole thing with like her teeth there's like this process of installing new teeth every day and then they melt it. it's not clear why and there's some mysterious boss and all that but it's all supposed to like evoke feelings and it's clearly supposed to inspire dread um but it's a type of movie that again it's a whole it's a type either you yes. either you like this kind of thing or you will be you will hate it but i'm glad that it still exists there's a long tradition of this of this type of storytelling where it's it doesn't make sense and it's not supposed to it's supposed to be unnerving you're never going to find out exactly why this stuff is going on i'm telling you that right now that's not how that's not the kind of movie these are but and by the way this this trailer has a whole three thousand views on youtube this is actually mm -hmm. a lot for one of the movies david brings to these to these episodes at least in my experience yeah oh um, yeah usually so are something like, like this because this trailer has been up for like months and, and it has 3,000 people. That's like that's like a blockbuster level of hype compared to – like he's found trailers that have been watched by like 374 people total. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. One middle school basketball team. <laughs> um, it's like even if the crew who worked on it, if only they watched the trailer, it would be more than what we're seeing on it's like even the people who worked on the set did not go back and watch the trailer when it came out uh i want to note that the director um is it either the wife or ex-wife of gasper no oh, who's made cl climax love enter the void hmm. irreversible <laughs> so this is a lady who's seen some shit yeah. um making this movie uh yeah it it like yeah you're right i try to find the ones with a very little you know um as little views as possible although i i should know is every now and then you run into a, a trailer that's like this gets this had 300 views and then i look at it some more and go oh but th this other link got like three million views oh, okay. like every now and then that'll happen but i i usually double check for that um uh but yeah uh just uh, the gasper no connection uh makes it significant apparently the same sound designer uh ken yasumoto and in this review says they make sure we hear everything as well as we can see it with each cr uh with each click scrape and chatter amplified to the max talking about the process of installing these ice teeth, ice teeth. so yeah that sounds that sounds awful 
That sounds so Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to watch this one, but uh, Uh, I want to watch it. It looks singular in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. But art doesn't have to be fun. Like, I'm, yeah, I probably won't enjoy watching it either, but that's, that's the, that's the whole point. This is, it's like it, storytelling doesn't just have to be about, you know, here's, here's three acts and then, you know, the heroes win, like, or do you even, were even felt necessarily scared or any of the traditional emotions. Like sometimes just, no, this will make you feel extremely uncomfortable for, for two straight hours. And you, you experience that. It's like those restaurants where the food tastes bad. It's like, well, yeah, but that's not, that's not the point. You, you ate a weird thing that you never would have eaten otherwise. And you experienced it and it was served to you by a weirdo and they made you eat it off an old man's naked back. Right. It's like, yeah, it's like if you, and people like me look at that, it's like, well, why would anybody pay to go to a restaurant and eat, you know, puffer fish liver uh, off of a nude woman? And it's like, well, that's not the point there. If they want these are people, if they want good food, they can get it anywhere. They want to experience something weird. Right. It's and, an uh, experience for yeah, sure. It's a type of movie like Yoko Ono would have made or whatever. Right. I also want to know, I shouldn't just call her Casper No's wife for obvious reasons. Uh, the, her name's Lucille. I couldn't even ch- begin to pronounce her last name. Uh, it's got it's got symbols in it that I've never seen before. Uh, so people can look her up. Uh, she made a film called Evolution in 2015, and another one in 2004 called Innocence. Like she she makes her own films, um, but like it, it just, just to give you an idea of the type of weirdness this is. Uh, yeah. And it's going to be really fucking weird. Yeah. There's somebody in the listenership. This will be their favorite movie they've ever seen. I, I yeah. know yeah. people who love this type of thing. It might be I Dave. <laughs> it might be Dave. It might be Dave. We'll see. Oh. I don't know. Even for Dave, this is like a, this is one where it's like, man, I don't know about this. Feels like a, <laughs> There's yeah. a few movies that have defeated me over the years, but uh, <laughs> the, Begotten, Begotten was one of them, um, which I, I watched the whole thing. I was also too high to watch a movie like begotten uh i'm trying to think of other movies that do, i mean audition okay. <laughs> i would say all right all right it's all right I'll, I'll i'll create a list later sure yeah we can read it aloud uh next episode <laughs> uh but for now uh check out the trailer uh yeah it's called earwig because of course it is yeah why wouldn't it be called something <laughs> weird like that yeah, no yeah. indication in the trailer of why it's called that as far as i can <laughs> no. as far as i could see Except for uh, the movie seems to exist much like an earwig. Yeah, ju- like, just to upset What you. is that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just to alarm and upset us. Yeah. Um all right, well that's a sewed. We've done it. Woo! We did Woo! it. <laughs> My goodness. Oh man. Jason, thank you so much for being on. Thank you. You can Find me on any of the social media platforms by just searching my name, Jason Pargin, P-A-R-G-I-N, and they'll they'll turn up. I'm on I'm on all of them, but but TikTok, all all of the ones that the, that the older people are on: uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, YouTube, probably some others that I have not logged into. In a right. While, but... So when are you getting your TikTok off the ground? <laughs> soon soon before does, the book before the book's release does google plus still exist i don't i oh, don't think no. so <laughs> do i have a google plus account somewhere that's just sitting there i get notifications from ello still oh and yeah I'm like, me too oh that's, fuck ello it's one of the most optimistic we, things ever yeah i feel like ello should have worked like i feel bad for ello i was like you had you had a you had a 
a good idea, Ella. We just didn't know it at the time. But also, you looked like fucking Live Journal. So, what are you gonna do? Yeah, what am I supposed to do with that? I saw. I saw. Yeah. I, I was on Ella long enough to create a a, a, a profile as Michael McDonald. <laughs> that is, that, yeah, is, that is what I did on Ella. Yeah. Uh, Dave, why don't you tell him some stuff? Sure. Uh, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash gamefully unemployed. That's where these producers came from. Uh, but also for just $5 a month, you get access to a bunch of exclusive podcasts like Tom and Jeff Watch Batman, Fox Muller's a Maniac. Uh, we also do stuff with the small beans like Star Trek The Next Futurama and Spielboys. Uh, for $10 a month, we watch movies with our patrons every Friday night. Uh, we also, and I won't tell you what, but we have a, we have a lot of like exciting new little series coming up uh that people should uh, keep an eye out for also uh re- review us wherever you listen to podcasts yeah do that be ruthless uh really hurt our feelings yeah. uh we also have a store head over to gameplayemployed.com where you can find a link to our teespring store uh where we have all kinds of cool original artwork and designs you can get on t-shirts mugs stickers posters all sorts of stuff so check that out check it out yeah do the stuff okay say goodbye everyone goodbye bye Our music is produced by Chris Corlew. You can follow him on Twitter at at the Corlew, C-O-R-L-E-W, and find more music at shipwreckedsailor.bandcamp.com. Our channel artwork is produced by Michael Vincent Bramley. You can find more of his artwork at instagram.com slash mvbramleyart. Our episode artwork is produced by Justin Brown. You can follow him on Twitter at at Justin T. Brown, and find more of his artwork at artnessbyjustinbrown.com and justinbrown.info. Hello, human peoples. You're listening to the podcast network of Gamefully Unemployed. Support us and gain access to great exclusive podcasts like Fox Mulder is a Maniac, Tom and Jeff Watch Batman, Star Trek The Next Futurama, and our latest show, Spiel Boys. Head over to patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. We do game streaming, movie nights with our patrons every Friday night, and you can even commission your own podcast about anything you want. Literally anything, within reason. And we have to do it. You are quite frankly out of excuses not to go visit patreon.com slash gamefully unemployed. That's patreon.com slash G-A-M-E-F-U-L-L-Y unemployed, which is spelled like it sounds.